1: What a song.
0: So I told Samter today, I go, I know Jason Avant uh, pretty well through my uh, good friend, Josh Weinfeld. So I go, we got to bring on Jason Avant, sideline reporter from Michigan, former Michigan football player, played with the Eagles, the Chiefs as well. They're always in the news. And he goes, Jason Avant. He goes, when I used to produce Jim Rome or was working with the Jim Rome show, they would play this Jason Avant song. And I had no damn clue. That Jason Avant actually had a song about him that a fan made up. And Jason Avant joins us right now. Jason, I think that's the best introduction you're ever going to get. And I didn't have to say a damn word. I just had to play the song.
2: Oh, my gosh. That song, man. I got ridiculed by my teammates so badly <laughs> before, because of that song over the years. Uh, shout out to the fan that made it. But it is annoying for sure. <laughs> when did you like? first find out about it? What was that, 2013, 2012, something uh, like that? Yeah, Derek Boyko, he's the guy. He's the uh Former PR media, guy. Yeah, The PR guy for the Eagles. Now he's with Buffalo Bills. Uh, he told me about it, and he played it for me. And I was like, are you serious right now? <laughs> and Rome would faithfully play that song. I, I don't know what it was, but he loved that song. <laughs>
0: Who was the teammate that gave you the most crap for the song in the locker room?
2: Oh, my gosh, probably Jeremy Macklin or Deshaun, dude. Ooh, Jason Avant. <laughs> That's absolutely great. So I know you're real happy. Uh,
0: I was at the game. Uh, I actually, in my drunk state, tailgating in the parking lot, <laughs> I thought I saw Jason Avant, like, quickly, maybe showing up a little bit late to the stadium. I thought it was you from afar. When did you end up getting into the stadium, just wondering?
2: Well, I ended up getting to the stadium at 10, uh, so I don't know how late that was, but it, That's I ended not up late. getting the stadium at 10, and then I had to go and do some appearances and then head to the field. Oh, so you yeah. were
0: out of the stadium, then you, you, you went in the stadium, you, you went out of the stadium, then came back yeah, in? And-
2: and came back into the stadium. So if you saw me and if I was on a golf cart, that could have been me for sure.
0: I'm pretty sure it was you. And I was like, oh, Jason, and the golf cart just kept uh, cruising. So <laughs> Good it, I'm glad you came on today. Uh, I heard your interview after the game of Chris Jenkins. The emotion was awesome. But you being on the sideline for that one, how did you process Michigan up against Ohio State where your Wolverines take care of the Buckeyes for the third straight season?
2: Well, you know what? It's pretty dynamic because when you really consider it, Ohio State has been stockpiling talent for so many years and they are, you know, three deep at every position. I would say Michigan is about one and a half deep and we're going to have struggles after this year when it comes to replacing all this NFL talent. So you know that you're kind of undermanned, from my professional opinion when it comes to just talent. But the grittiness of this team, the mindset that they have after their coach, they believe that they can beat Ohio State and they win in the trenches. And for some reason, Ryan Day wanted to play Michigan's game when he's not built for that. Ohio State has been known for having wide receivers and cornerbacks and they play the game on the edge accumulating and scoring a lot of points this year they wanted to be Michigan and try to bully Michigan at their own game which wasted opportunities to get the ball to Marvin Harrison so thank you Ryan Day for doing that trying to be Michigan instead of being Ohio State which you could have scored a lot of points because we do have some weaknesses in our secondary but he wasn't able to expose it because he wanted to be like Michigan instead of being Ohio State
0: and that was the only chance that they had because Marvin Harrison jr. Even though he only had four or five catches, he still goes for over 100 yards. And he's their best player. We all know that. He's going to be a top three pick uh, in the draft. But it's amazing how they didn't get him more involved in the offense. They should have lived and died by him. and And they waited too long to get him really going.
2: Yeah, it seemed like both coaches um, at the beginning of the game for sure were hesitant to make mistakes because, you know, you want to win the rushing yardage. You want to win the turnover battle. And at some point, you have to open up the game plan. and You have to go to your weapons. You have, you know – Buka, you have Marvin Harrison, you have Fleming, who made some outstanding catches. These guys are going to play on Sunday, and Marvin Harrison is literally top 10 receivers in the NFL as soon as he arrives there, um, and especially in the right system. So with that being said, I'm throwing him the ball at least 20 times yeah. in a game. That's just how it's going to be if I'm the offensive coordinator. I'm going to make sure that my best player is spotlighted, but that's the danger of having your best player in a secondary position. What do I mean by that? The quarterback has to play well in order to get the receiver to ball. The offensive line has to block well in order to get the receiver to ball. The running back has to protect. So many people have to protect. So you can, um, as like Ryan Day did, isolate or just freeze him out of game plan because he's a secondary position. So I'm glad it wasn't a quarterback as the best player or a running back because we've been in world trouble.
0: And all throughout the year, that's why I thought Michigan was going to beat Ohio State. Even though J.J. McCarthy isn't the greatest quarterback in the world. He's a damn good quarterback. He's experienced, and he's gotten better through time at Michigan, and I believed he was going to make the big throws where McCord, you even look back at that Notre Dame game, he should have thrown a pick, and then Notre Dame dropped it, and then with the game on the line, he throws the interception, and when you have an experienced team like Michigan, they're just not going to drop that football.
2: Yeah, 100% of the time, and, and J.J., you know what? J.J. is efficient. He's a very underrated athlete. And check, and check this out. He has NFL arm talent. I, I do a show, um, you know, a podcast with Greg Cosell, who does tape breakdown yeah. every week. And he asked me about him, and he said he watched him this offseason. He's like, oh, he's going to be a first-day pick because of his arm talent. So, J.J. is definitely an an upper echelon quarterback. Um, does he have this, the weapons that, you know, Ohio State has? He doesn't have those weapons, but Roman Wilson – Cornelius Johnson are definitely NFL wide receivers. So, um, yes, the difference, that's one of the differences. Kyle McCord, I think that he can throw the ball away. Well. I just think that he's young. And young teams don't know how to win. And it's hard to be a young quarterback and win in a game of that magnitude not experiencing it for the first time. He may have better luck next year and in following years, but that first time and that environment you saw how the big house was rocking. It was electric from an hour before the game. There was so much build up. So many people on the sideline. Derek Jeter, Charles Woodson, so many people out there and I don't necessarily know if he he was built for that moment.
0: The other thing too, and I thought J.J who I do believe still has another level to get to. But he mm-hmm. made a great throw to Roman Wilson on that third down for the touchdown. Now, the throw is great, and you're a wide receiver, and I have no clue what a catch is. But a lot of people are saying, nope, that was a touchdown. Other people thought it should have been a fumble that Ohio State recovered. Take the Michigan side out of it. How did you, you look at that one, and what did you, you think about it, not only in the moment, but then uh, once the game did, uh, did end?
2: Yeah, college, college or NFL rules, that would have been a touchdown. College or NFL rules, right? Because there's no surviving the ground element when it comes to the 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 goal line. Yeah. When it comes breaking the plane, there's no surviving the ground element to that, right? So once you break the plane with possession, right, he hit the ball. The guy, the defender hit the ball. He reestablished possession over the goal line. And when they went to the ground, he was able to get it out, right? So... And I don't know if any person that really investigates football or watches football can say that that wasn't a touchdown. There was other questionable calls in the game, but I won't put my hat on that particular call in and of itself. Every game is going to go, you know, this way or that way. But when it comes to, out rushing a team Michigan did that when it came to turnover margin Michigan did that when it came to the environment needed in order to beat Ohio State which I believe was the more talented team Michigan was able to check that box and hats off to Jim Harbaugh all of this scrutiny all of the things that everybody else does in the country right when it comes to scouting and and figuring out signals it's hard as hell to decode the signal let me just tell you that right now because being in the NFL and being in college And if if I hear a guy, I go back to the sideline and say, hey, you know what? He has our slant signal. The coach said, okay, let's keep the signal the same. But on the next play, let's run sluggo. It's so hard slant and go. It's so hard to decode and all those things. So Michigan was prepared for the game. And you can say a call here, there, whatever. At at the end of the day, Ohio State had the ball with a minute to go, which is an eternity in college football because the first down stops on – the clock stops on the first down. They had an opportunity to win the game. They didn't do it. Michigan prevailed.
0: And the other thing was, I never thought Michigan was going to lose the game until that pass was completed, then it was fumbled, then it was recovered. And I'm like, man, Michigan may lose this game, and the next thing you know it's an interception. That, to me, is the most demoralizing part of this loss for Ohio State is Michigan, I thought, could have played better, and Ohio State still wasn't good enough to beat Michigan in this contest.
2: Well, that's the that's the truth. Michigan over the last I would say three games hadn't played up to their standard. And partly well the reason is is we haven't been able to protect. So in a Penn State game, Chop Robinson, Adisa, their two defensive ends, kind of exposed us. Yeah, and we scrapped the game plan. We scrapped the game plan and just start running the ball. And we've kind of stuck with that over the last couple weeks because in Maryland, our pass protection is kind of broken down. And I believe that when when Zach Zinner went out of the game, it actually they actually block better for some reason because Carson Barnhart um, with most NFL scouts that I talked to on the sideline is more geared to play guard and Trent A. Jones is better at pass protection. So I thought that kind of evened them out. So with all that being said, Michigan hasn't played their best football yet this season. Um, but with Harbaugh comes back, we're ten points better than we are without him. So I believe that that's going to be a solidifying factor, and I can't wait for the moment when Michigan is hoisting the Big Ten trophy and Tony Patiak to Dan <laughs> Harbaugh that trophy, and um, and there's going to be a big fu for <laughs> a lot of booze are going to be happening commission. there.
1: Oh uh,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, my, my NFL team, the Patriots, I was there for 28 to three when Goodell after the comeback had to hand, the trophy be- uh, over to the Patriots. It's one of the best things. And, and I can't yeah. wait to see that one more on, on the game with Jason Avon here with us. There's a great job on the sidelines for Michigan, former Michigan player played in the NFL uh, with the Eagles and also the Kansas city chiefs. You talked about Ryan day earlier and his lack of aggressiveness. With what you just pointed out with how Jim Harbaugh was in the side allowed to be there during the week but not on game day. Sharon Moore, who's done a nice job, he should be a head coach uh, somewhere one day. That's what's even more inconceivable to me is that Moore was more aggressive than Ryan Day, who already lost two games and had a chance to really throw it back in the Michigan fans' face for, and basically take the week way out and go up. It was just a sign-stealing scandal the last two years. And the guy's still was pretty much a coward in coaching and and had no aggressiveness in the game.
2: You know what? He was so hell-bent on the stat that the last, you know, whoever wins the rushing battle in the Ohio State-Michigan game, that was the team that was going to win and the team that protected the ball. So I just think that he deviated from his game plan and who the team is and how he's built the team. Like I said, this team has had so many first-round receivers, you know, Olave and Jigba, you know Marvin Harrison there's so many guys and you know in history that that they've built the program around. And I believe that if you can pass the ball successfully, McCord is super accurate. That's the one thing that I came away saying is that, oh, Michigan has some competition in these next few years because McCord is accurate. You know, he, he, he threw some dimes in that game. And um, so I just thought that he deviated from the game plan and he kind of lost his identity uh, somewhere. And it could have been talking to Urban Meyer because Urban Meyer had Zeke Elliott and they were able to run the ball and be successful and throw it in, run, and have this balance. But the truth of the matter is that you have to know your personnel. That's like the number one rule in football. Every coach, every um, player will tell you, KYP, know your personnel. Know what we're built for. We're built to throw the football because of what we have on the outside. Do that and do it better than, than most. And don't worry about the history and the stats. Let's do what we do best. And I think that he just lost his mind when it came to that game.
0: How about your Eagles, Jason Avant? Ten and one. Another game where, uh, man, <laughs> they didn't show up in the first half, and they're going up against a solid team in Buffalo's not playing up to their abilities, and then Jalen Hurts just gets in his bag, and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. That was unbelievable last night.
2: What a game! And I and I had to go in. You know, I do CBS. Uh, you know, local television. I had to go in, and I had to be there by nine. And I'm like looking at the clock and trying to get out, but I wanted to see the whole overtime game. Jalen Hurts, man, is he's un he's unflappable. That's just who he is. There's always an adjustment when you're playing in the rain. Because the rain is very, very scary for the offensive coordinator. It's scary for the team because you can't execute your offense the way that you want to execute it, because if you make a mistake and you turn the football over, you're down and it's very, very hard to come back in the rain. And I believe that Josh Allen and playing in Buffalo and playing in inclement weather, you know what it's like being in that region, right? It's always bad weather and Philadelphia misses a lot of that. So I thought that the Buffalo Bills were more prepared to play in that situation, but in the second. Second half, when they made adjustments, they started to go to the outside zone. And Jalen began to realize that it doesn't matter if it's raining, snowing, if there's a hurricane, Devontae Smith has excellent <laughs> hands. He was the only receiver the entire day catching the ball with his hands in a torrential downpour the entire day. So I believe that Jalen. Um, just put on his Superman cape, and everyone believes in him. That's the thing that you know about this team. The entire team believes in Jalen Hurts, and he does it week after week. And you can say it's luck. You can say, oh, the Chiefs dropped the ball. The the, the Bills didn't get this call. But the one thing that you cannot say, if this team doesn't fight, and that Jalen Hurts is not a winner. He That's what he does. He's built for these moments.
0: Last thing I'll ask you. I don't know if you could tell, but when you look back at the Josh Allen to Gabe Davis play, was that on the quarterback or was that on the wide receiver, which forced Buffalo to take the field goal?
2: It's 100% on the quarterback. 100%. Um, So here's what happened in that play. So Sean Desai, the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, threw an all-out pressure right? That's a zero blitz. That's man to man. It's off man. It's going to be inside leverage for the cornerbacks. And Gabe Davis had a corner route. That was the route. Josh Allen knew that the pressure would get there and he just threw it to a spot rather than throwing it to the spot that mattered the most. The receiver can't adjust in that situation. You can say, oh, he beat him off the line or whatever it is. No, the receiver can't adjust. That's a corner out and you throw it to the corner. So Josh Allen could have made a critical, timely throw. All you had to do was lay it up in the back of the end zone in the direction of, of, of Gabe Davis, and they would have won the football game, but he didn't show up in that moment. And um, I get so tired of the quarterback being the one that gets all of the 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 and like getting out of jail free cards, right? This one was on the quarterback, Gabe Davis was right. And you can see how right he was when he slammed his helmet down. Guys are not, you know, that angry when when, uh, they, you know, are the one that made the mistake.